This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. <laughs> Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Adam Amin is our guest here on Play by Playcast this week, episode 11. So if you just heard Adam Amin and thought, oh my god, I clicked the wrong episode. Uh, no, it's actually part two. This is episode 11 of Play by Playcast. Adam Amin is back this week. So if you heard the first half of our conversation last week, uh, this is part two of that. If you haven't heard the first part yet and you're new to the podcast, uh, you can go back and check out the first part. The second part will still make sense even if you don't hear the first part. Uh, but feel free to check it out in our archives as well as uh, the other nine episodes of Play-By-Play Cast that exist so far. Uh, house cleaning notes as always, by the way. Get in touch with the podcast if you so choose. Uh, at PXPCast on Twitter. Use the hashtag PXPCast as well. You can hit me up at J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T on Twitter at Joel Godet on Twitter. Uh, some people have found my email address as well. Uh, you can do that also. Uh, it's out there on the netherworld. Um, so you can hit me up in the email inbox also uh, to interact with the program. And hey, if you like it, uh, shoot iTunes a rating. You know, when you're done listening to the podcast, uh, click three stars, four stars, five stars. If it's less than three stars, uh, we can forego that. Uh, but yeah, somewhere in that area. Let iTunes know you listen and that you like it. And uh, that certainly helps the podcast out as well. Anyway. Down to business. Adam Amin, back on the podcast this week. Uh, And it's fitting, by the way, because the last few weeks leading into it, we we talked a lot about having a lot of really good football-related guests. Uh, And we had Bob Sosi and um, Bill Hillgrove, and we've got Wayne Larravee coming up, and we've got uh, Bob Wischusen coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Now, the interviews with Adam have not been football-centric, but we certainly have talked about football stuff with Adam as well. And he is actually kicking off ESPN's college football coverage this year. Uh, as I sat down to record this podcast, I was on Facebook, and he had shared a video of him and Molly McGrath uh, and Mac Brown, actually, at the Bison Block Party. I'm not going to lie. If I could go to a block party, and it kind of looks like a state fair, with Mac Brown, sign me up. Hey, did you go to the state fair? Yeah, who'd you go with? Mac Brown. He's great at cornhole or ski ball he climbed the ladder and without flipping over and won a giant stuffed animal um anyway uh, adam mean is kicking off espn's college football coverage this year north dakota state charleston southern 7 30 uh espn tomorrow night if you're listening to this podcast on time tonight if you're listening to it on saturday last night if you're listening to it on sunday or this past weekend if you're listening to it the week after it was posted but anyway uh Where we pick up our conversation with Adam here for part two is relevant, I think, to that fact. Because Adam is a guy that we've talked about being a very fast riser at ESPN. He's moved the ranks quickly uh, now to the point where he's got the lead leadoff game for the entire college football slate, amongst many other great things. Uh, But one of the things I was curious about was how you climb at ESPN. How do you make a rise through that company, a place where a lot of people have really established slots and spots how do you make your own ripple 
uh, so that you can continue to grow as a broadcaster. And that is where uh, episode 11 and part 2 of our conversation with Adam Amin picks up here on Play by Play Cast. When I first started, it was whatever you got, I'll do. Whatever <laughs> event you have, let me know. My first year, my contract was for 45 events. And I ended up doing, I think, 97 my first that's, year at ESPN. That's close. That's close. It, yeah, I mean, it's somewhat. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like, it's a nice paycheck at the end of the season, <laughs> and it's a nice bonus that you pick up because you made twice your salary, basically. But I'm, I, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, oh, they want me to do something? Yeah, I'm in. Oh, you need me to do a, a high school game, a high school basketball game in D.C., and then you need me to drive overnight to Kent, Ohio, to do Ball State, Kent State? I'm in. I'll do it. And And those are the types of things that I never told anybody about, but – if they asked, I wouldn't say anything. I would just go, yes, sure, I'll get there. Don't worry about it. And I was willing to do that stuff because why, why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't I be willing to do that? I have an opportunity that I think 10,000 people would, would kill me to get, and I, I can't take that for granted. So for me at the time, it was just trying to take everything I possibly could and try not to suck at it, in all honesty. It was, you know, I, I felt confident doing volleyball. I felt confident doing basketball. Uh, I, I knew baseball and softball, but I didn't call. I never called a wrestling match on TV before. I'd only done a few in high, you know, high school matches on the radio in Iowa. I had never really called much football. I'd only done about four or five games on the radio at that point. So I didn't know how to call a game on TV, but I learned and I learned on the fly. And I'm glad I learned where I did. You know, it, it was frustrating thinking like, well, is anybody watching this or is it, does anybody care? And I thought, you know, I, I, hit myself and go, who cares? You, you don't know how to do this. Like I'm, I'm shocked. You know, I, I think about it now, man, I, I go, what the hell was ESPN thinking? <laughs> I, in all honesty, like, like I, I felt good about all the Olympic stuff and college basketball. I felt fine about that. But how, like, how am I working on football? How am I working on college football? I have no clue how to call football games. And so for some reason they were dumb enough to put me on TV and I'm glad they did. And I'm glad they put me in the, on the slot that they did, you know, tape delayed Saturday night, ESPNU, 1030 Eastern. Not a lot of people are watching. And it allowed me to just kind of learn how to do this. So once I got confident doing all these sports, I think I think it's turned out very well. I think I've done a good job. I think I've put out quality work. And I think finally, when you do it for that long and you're willing to do as much as I've been willing to do, they're, they're eventually going to go, hey, you've done a good job. Let, let's try you on this. Let's put you on this package. This is a little bit more elevated. Uh, let's put you on this, uh, on this sport. Let's put you on, the, on Major League Baseball. Let's put you on, uh, on the NFL. Like, we feel comfortable that you can do this because you've shown consistency. And I think that's all that, that you can do. You, can, you, can prep, you, you have to prep hard, and, and, you have, and for whatever the sport is, you have to deliver in the big moments and deliver in the crappy moments when it's a blowout game and, and work with the people that you're working with and try to be as consistent as possible. And I think, I think I've done that enough to the point where now I've gotten, I've gotten some, some opportunities that I, I never thought I would have gotten before. How do you get better in, in all of that? What'd you do to get better? Uh, who did you listen to? Who'd you talk to? Who'd you watch? Uh, what kind of feedback does ESPN give you as, as kind of your, you're getting your feet under you? I think uh, that's that's one thing I think a lot of people will tell you. ESPN maybe it's it's because it's such a mammoth machine. There are so many moving parts. I I do not envy coordinating producers in television. I just don't. Uh, I, I I and the ones that are great and I have a lot of great ones. 
I don't envy their jobs because they have so many moving parts and so many balls in the air that they have to juggle and make sure none of them falls down. Uh, I don't blame them for not being able to give you the individual attention that you wish you could get, you know, to, you know, for critiques and things like that. And I know we're, we're, we're recording this the week that John Saunders passed away and John was known to be a mentor for a lot of anchors and, and announcers at ESPN because he would say, I want to give back. And there, we don't really have that at ESPN anymore. We don't really have somebody in the, in the talent department who's just going to sit down and say, bring me your tapes one and all, and I will watch all of them and I will critique them all very, you know, very in-depthly. And I don't think we have that at, at ESPN. So, you know, it, it's hard to get feedback there. And I don't envy coordinating producers who have to be in charge of a lot of those. So we find feedback in other avenues. Not for me, it's Joe and it's Wayne Randazzo, who are two of my closest friends. It's Ian and it's Sean McDonough. And it's asking guys that I trust their opinions and, and finding the right time to actually put something together for them to listen to. It's asking colleagues that I know. It's asking you and it's asking Adam Cavalier, hey, listen to this and tell me what you think about that. And when I get that feedback, I, I figure out, is this pertinent for me? Is it applicable to me and my voice and my personality and my style? And if it is, let me make sure that I am conscious of it during broadcast, during games, during the real reps. And let me make sure that I'm actually giving this real thought and real consideration and learning how to implement this on the fly. Because if I can't do this on the fly, if I can't adjust, then that's an aspect of broadcasting that I need to get better at anyway. So I, I try to be conscious of it. Being aware of your problems is the first step towards solving them. Any issues and any mechanical adjustments you have to make, if you're aware of them, that's the first step towards getting better and solving those, solving those problems and, and adjusting. To get wonkier on that note, um, especially being a younger guy and getting into this, and I, I mean, you sound older than you are, but uh, and I, I mean that in a good way, uh, how did you develop kind of your, your, your persona that you have on television where your, deli- your persona, your delivery, um, where you kind of create uh, – your sound sound older than you are. And I mean that in terms of the physical sound of your voice, but also the way that you talk, uh, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you interact with other people that, uh, I mean, you're performing on television versus how you would talk with your, you know, when you started 23, 24 year old friends that the 60 year old guy watching on his couch, isn't going to relate to and doesn't want to hear. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of people say like, you need to sound older. Uh, how did you go about, tackling that when you first got into it i think i was lucky in terms of just voice like pure voice sound like what it what the aesthetic of what i sound like is i think i was a little lucky in that regard i was a a tenor early in my high school career i I did a lot of theater and performance when i was in high school so i learned how to sing you know when, when you learn how to sing you learn how to breathe when you act and you're on stage in theater you learn how to breathe and project and use your diaphragm and things like that so all of that is stuck with me I took voice lessons purely for singing when I was like 16 or 17, but it wasn't specific, you know, it wasn't anything specific to broadcasting, although all of those tools and skills have stuck with me. So at the very least, I I understand that stuff. So if I need to make an adjustment, I know where I can go, uh, you know, just as a base, just to go back to, you know, shifting your voice and things like that. As I got to my junior and senior year, I became more of a baritone. So my voice is naturally getting lower. The more baseball games I do and the more broadcasts I do and uh, I do in general, 
in my days in Iowa and New Jersey, you know, doing, ba- you know, doing baseball every night, uh, my voice naturally just kind of got deeper. My delivery kind of helped it along, but my voice kind of naturally dropped down. So when I first got to ESPN, I had a decent voice. I had a, I had a nice, pleasant, so, you know, somewhat baritone sounding voice. And it's, and it's only gotten deeper as I've gotten older because it's part of delivery and it's part of conditioning. And the more broadcasts you do, the more comfortable you feel. And, and you're still kind of developing all that. So I already had kind of that base for it, but in terms of delivery and, and, and fine tuning that stuff, I was ripping off Sean McDonough and Mike Tirico and Shulman and Harlan and all those guys. When I first started doing games at ESPN, I was ripping off everything. I was, I was taking whatever voice ticks and, you know, Sean McDonough four to three. Like I would do that. <laughs> I literally would do that in games. And I think, I think like people noticed that. And I think Joe at one point goes, dude, I can hear you ripping off Sean McDonough. Like you've got to stop that. And it was just something I was conscious, uh, uh, conscious of. And I realized, yeah, I really got to stop doing that. This sounds so dumb. And, you know, my, my senior year in, in college, I remember doing a lot of like, you know, a lot of basketball and a lot of volleyball and, and high pace events and energetic events. And one of my, one of the things that I think I was strong with was big plays. I think I was energetic and, and I, I could deliver strong calls, but I almost kind of took it too far. And I was getting into this growl and this kind of over the top almost uh, energy that just didn't fit me. And, and it was too much because I, I think I'm more subtle than that. And, you know, I would get called out on it by, by friends and, and colleagues. And they say, you know, you're growling a lot. I don't think you need to here. You, your voice quality is good. You don't have to push as hard as you're pushing. So I got to that point where I was like, all right, let me stop doing that. Let me, let me get to a point where I'm not doing those things anymore. And I've finally gotten away from, from the growl that just seems over the top and unnatural for me. So that's how I've developed whatever style I have. If I do have a style, I, I'd like to think it's more based on substance than, and, and just voice quality than anything else. But I've gotten away from the things that I felt like just weren't me, even though I, I think I needed them. In, in my early development to learn how to be more energetic. I think I've finally gotten away from those things. And I feel like I'm energetic in my own voice. I'm energetic in my substance and style. And I'm energetic in a way that, that I hit a call hard and then I can get out of the way or I hit a call hard, but I don't lose my voice quality. So it was just being aware of, like I said, it's just being aware of a lot of those things and being able to figure it out on the fly. That was really important for me to get to, the point where I'm at now, which I'm, I'm finally comfortable with how I sound on TV. There was a long time where I just wasn't comfortable with it. I finally feel comfortable uh, with what I sound like. Yeah, I was curious about that, actually. Um, how, lo- how long, obviously, we, you just said how long it takes you to feel comfortable with how you sound, but how long did it take you to feel comfortable on TV, just in general? Um, not uh, thinking it, I mean, it, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's just now within the last maybe couple of years, I think I've finally gotten to that point where I feel comfortable especially on football, because like I said, football was probably one of my weakest sports. And now I would consider it probably one of my strongest because of the reps I put in, because of the time I spent in the off season, trying to learn and watch tape and, and watch other guys uh, just, just to, just to kind of figure out what fits me and what's important and how to prioritize these things. So I, I've always felt comfortable doing basketball. I felt pretty comfortable within a year or two of doing just about everything at ESPN, just to, pretty much everything with TV 
And it was only within the last couple of years, probably when I jumped up to doing college football full time uh, in 2014, is when after the 2014 football season, I think is when I finally it, it clicked. If everything finally clicked, I felt comfortable going from event to event, from sport to sport, and not really wavering in my comfort level. And I think it was important that I, you know, I I I I, I don't know how ESPN hired me or why they hired me with based on my skill level when I first got hired, but I'm so glad that they hired me and put me on because. I was as flexible of a play-by-play guy as I think you'd have uh, if you're a producer. Anywhere you want me to go, I'm going to go because I don't know any better. Like, that was the thing. I had, no, I had no real skill and no real understanding of a lot of this, but I didn't have any bad habits. So I think I was able to be as flexible as possible, and I think that's still probably one of my strong suits now is just being flexible. If I need to go somewhere, you need me to go somewhere, I'll get you there because that's how it's always been. And my comfort level with that is still very, very high. I'm more comfortable now, I think, with getting, with going somewhere I want to go now. Like if I want to go and tell a story, I know what the rhythm and the timing of that is like now. So I feel comfortable telling a producer, hey, after this play, you know, going and talk back on, hey, after this play, if nothing happens, I think I want to go here. And that, that level of comfort has skyrocketed in the last two years for me. When before, before then, I probably wasn't as comfortable doing that. I'm very good with that now. And I've always been good at taking direction because I, I didn't know any better when I first started out. How much do you, uh, that all being said, how much do you still, and your schedule too, watch yourself back uh, and, and what do you look for when you do it? And is, is it one of those things where like two weeks will go by before you get back to something because you're just trying to live in the moment and get to the next thing and then you're kind of kicking yourself? Or what, what is your process of, of re-watching broadcasts? I'll find a spot to, to sit down and watch, whether it's, you know, whether it's on the plane or whether it is just getting into a hotel and just throwing a game on that I did earlier that day, you know, especially when I was doing Saturday games and I would fly to my NFL game on Saturday night, you know, I'd, I'd flip it on. I just go, Oh, I got the watch ESPN app. And I, let me, let me flip on a, a few minutes of the game and Oh, let me hear that highlight. You know, these highlights are so instantaneous now that you can go back and listen to them five minutes after they happen if you wanted to. So uh, when it comes to highlights, I can listen to them right away and get a quick sense, like, ah, oh, I didn't like that, or, oh, that was good. Uh, but when it comes to, like, stretches, like, long stretches of games, that's still a little bit tough because of the schedule. But usually, like, Monday, you know, I'll get back home from the NFL, and, and that's about as much time as I'm going to have to relax before I have to get ready for the next thing. So I'll, I'll take a few minutes and, and try to watch, you know, a quarter or – and I don't dive into as much like note writing. I used to write notes and say, this was bad. This was bad. Like I was critiquing my own stuff. Uh, this was good. Keep doing this. I used to do a lot of note writing. I don't do that as much anymore. I, I just kind of watch. And, and while I know specific things that I, I want to improve on, or I know specific areas of that broadcast, Hey, I want to make sure, uh, how, how did I set up, you know, my partner here? Did I do this right? Uh, it's gotten a lot to a lot more fine tuning now. So I know just like the few spots that I want to listen to and say, I'm talking too fast here. I'm uh, this, this, this voice quality isn't very good. I'm too high on this one. I'm, I'm not energetic enough on this call. Uh, I'm, I'm more comfortable doing that in a quicker fashion than I have been ever. And to have that ability for me, I think has been important just to be able to digest fast and then move on to the next thing and remember that for the next broadcast and just be ready to go. You mentioned watching other guys in the offseason. Uh, what are you looking for? I mean, 
is it one of those things where you're watching a game and you when I watch sports I like it's annoying to other people because I'm listening to the broadcasters and like not paying attention to the game uh is it partly that or is it will you sit down and say I want to see what Gary Cohen's doing so let me put the Mets game on and I'm going to watch it from that perspective I do. I, I, I do that a lot, as a matter of fact. Uh, you know, I went back and watched a bunch of football games from last year, uh, some of my own, but I'd also watch, you know, what Sean McDonough was doing with Chris Spielman in the Fiesta Bowl. I did the Fiesta Bowl on radio, so I, I know that game. I know those teams. I know, the, I know how the game goes. So let me see how Sean and Chris dive into the, some of the same storylines that I have and how do they approach them for TV. Whereas, you know, obviously I was doing radio, so it's a little bit different of a, of a structure, but I, I wanted to know how do you get into this story or what do, are you doing it on a first down play? Are you doing it on second and nine? Uh, are you do are you diving into stuff on third down? Is it appropriate to do that stuff? You know, Sean was really critical of me in a great, in a, in a much needed way. He was very critical of me saying, you know, I was jamming in a lot of info and I was, I was trying to, throw this in at a spot where I don't really need to. And, you know, let me, you know, let me enjoy some of the stuff that you're giving me. And if you're giving me a lot of stuff in a stream of consciousness, I'm not going to absorb it as much, which I think is ironic for this conversation because I feel like I've been rambling a lot of these answers. <laughs> you're fine. Nobody's absorbing, nobody's absorbing anything that I've been saying, but, uh, you know, it was just trying to learn from them, trying to see what the skeleton is like and how then, you know, I think the skeleton is the same for a lot of us you know, how we're going to approach each broadcast and how we're going to start off a broadcast with our open and the first series in a football game or the first couple possessions in a basketball game. But how does everybody fill in the skeleton? Where does their muscle go? Where, you know, where do they direct their blood flow for most of the broadcast? So we're trying to figure out how I stack up with somebody else that I have a lot of respect for. And I want to know how they do that. I watch Gary Cohen doing the Mets games and go, all right, well, he doesn't really start a story at this point. He prefers to do it here or, if he's going to say this at this count and in this point in the game, it's going to be more concise than it would be if it was the start of an inning. So little nuanced stuff like that I think is really important, and that's what I'm looking for when I watch tapes of a lot of other guys. Where's your best count to start a story? Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but seriously. Again, uh, and again, that's, that's, that's part of the science, though, man. Like We're trying to figure that out. We're trying to figure out okay, maybe not what the best count is, but can I do it on a 1-1? Can I do it with a runner at first and nobody out? Can I do it with two outs? You know, we're trying to figure that stuff out on the fly. I, I know it sounds like almost over the top, you know, over, overly analytical about it, but this is how I've, how I've thought about stuff like this for the last seven years. I don't want to take too much more of your time because if I, if I can pull a Richard Deitch here, we're, we're, uh, we're going to go for the, the record in time right now at this point. Um, and I know you've, you've probably got things to get done on your, your loan Saturday for the next three years. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, 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 that laundry is really uh, really needing the dryer <laughs> sheets right now, man. Sorry. Um, I have two more kind of arcs I want to get to. They're, they're quick. Um, the first one is, and this I'm just curious about because uh, people ask me this all the time when I tell them what I do, uh, but I still go to the office every day because I still work in our communications department, uh, and that's where I get a lot, you know, that's how they make, that's how I eat. Um, but for you, like, you just go game to game to game, and then you go home. Uh, what's it like for you having a, a life and interacting with people when you're going to a game, you're coming home, you're studying in between, you're doing all that stuff, but home is your apartment or you know wherever you are, and you're not constantly around people? Or am I am I reading that wrong? How do you 
No, you're you're, you're absolutely accurate. What's that, that like? You know, it's it's tough, admittedly. Like the worst. You know, I, I think I have a decent social life. Like during the summertime, like when I'm only doing you know a game a week for Major League Baseball or a couple games on a weekend, and then I'm home most of the week or whatever it may be. But like, it sucks. Like that's the one thing that really does suck. And, and as I get older. I, I think about that a lot more. You know, we've had discussions about dating and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I've had girlfriends that just, they don't want to deal with it anymore. And I, I, don't, I never blame, like, you know, anybody I'm in a relationship with for saying, you know, you're not devoting enough time to me. Like, like I, you know, I was dating somebody in the early part of the, part of the year, and I, I have a tendency to fade away. You know, I have a tendency to, to just forget about, what else is going on? Because I'm so locked in. I've got three games this week, or I've got, you know, a, a big game on Thursday that I really want to spend some extra time prepping for. And uh, like people get frustrated by that. And I don't blame them for that at all. But, you know, I, I had a girl tell me, you know, can you, can you try harder? Can you, can you give it more effort? And I said, you know what? You're right. Let me, let me try a little harder. And I tried and I was awful at it. And you know, whether it was, you know, without diving too much into the, into the sordid details of it all, I, I didn't do a great job of it. So I don't know if it's the job that gets me or is, or is it me using the job as an excuse or is it me just not wanting to because I love the job so much right now. I'll figure it out. I think I'm smart enough and intuitive enough to know when it's right, it's right, and when it's worth going after, you know, it'll be worth it. But I will say that the casual dating, like even – anything beyond casual dating has been tough and it, and it sucks. Like I feel bad for my family. Like I don't see my parents as much as I would like to in during football season. So I, I go out of my way, you know, I'm going home from the airport. Let me stop by and let me say, let me spend dinner with them or something. Even though it might take away from some of my prep time, it's important for me to at least show my face to my parents and remind them they still have a fourth son. You know, like I, yeah, I, I, try, I try as hard as I can. You know, I don't see my nephew and my niece as much as I would like to. And, and that's a lot of it is my fault. And, and I admit that I freely admit that, but I'm still in a place right now where I'm happy pushing. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm happy with doing 125 events a year. I'm not against it yet. You know, I, and it's as a grind and it can be exhausting and it can be frustrating, but I'm not ready to give that up just yet. And I will be soon. And hopefully there'll be a situation where I can, push a little bit less and, and grind a little less and, and all that. But right now I'm not ready to give that up. I think I'm made for this right now. And when something else comes along, that's, that's worth pursuing. I think I'll know. What do you want to do? Uh, that being said, I mean, are, are, do you, do you want to, I don't, I'll be careful. I word this. Cause I was about to say, do you want to stay at ESPN? I don't want to make any trouble for you. Um, but uh, <laughs> do you, I mean, do you want to do kind of like what you're doing in some ways now, or do you want to, like, is the Bob Wischusen, Dave Pash deal interesting where you can work for a team and still do network stuff? Uh, are, are there sports? Are there events? I, I mean, like, the Olympics, I feel like who wouldn't want to broadcast an Olympics? Uh, are there things that, that just interest you as I would still like to be able to broadcast this? I know we talked about hockey off the top, um, which is tough at ESPN. Um, but what's yeah, what I, on the I, radar? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's hard to complain about what I'm doing right now because I'm getting to do so much. And I'm getting to do a lot of it and I'm getting to do a great mix of it. You know, I, I, I love doing radio. You know, there's the, the pure play-by-play guy in me does not want to give that away. You know, I, I, I love doing major league baseball. I love doing the NFL. Uh, I get to start, I think doing some NBA this year and I don't want to give those things up. So there's a, a something hooking me 
in, in radio that still allows me to do it that I don't want to give away. And that being said, I will, if, if given the opportunity to do the Saturday night primetime college football game, how do you give that up? You know, like you can't say no to that, even though it would probably mean giving up the NFL on Sundays. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's anywhere on my radar yet, but that thought, those, the, that, the thought of how that process will work is definitely something that sticks with you. But it, it's hard for me to, to say one way or another what I would like to do because until those opportunities come up and you really have to figure out how you're going to divide your time and can you still do this while adding this new, new wrinkle and adding this new uh, spot in your portfolio, like until those things pop up, I really don't know how to, to figure out what I want to do. But I can tell you right now that the things I am doing are things that I would not, you're going to have to tear them away from me for the most part, you know, like you're going to have to say, you can't do this anymore because you have this other thing that is bigger and better for your career and a bigger game or whatever. You're going to, you're really going to have to convince me of those things because I love what I'm doing so much right now. And I get to do such a variety of great things on multiple mediums. It's hard to give that up. I mean, it's just greed. I mean, it's just honestly, it's just greed. I want to do everything if I could. <laughs> it's not a bad greed though. I mean, we all want that in some respects. So uh, yeah, I like to think it's an ambitious greed more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, um, I mentioned Olympics, uh, and I'll probably end on this note. I'm going to post this one this week, so we'll stay timely. Um, what's have you enjoyed watching it? Like, do you, I get a kick out of watching people that do what we do try to talk about judo. Uh, like tip of the cap, <laughs> yeah. Bill Spalding is like, I don't know what a yuko is, but he's told me all about it. Um, yeah, has that if, been, I, if I texted him right now, I think he would give me an accurate description <laughs> of what of what those things are. So. Has that been amazing just to to watch that stuff? I, I think it's fantastic. I really do. I mean, to I I I was thinking the other day too. I was watching track and field, and uh, Tom Hammond's doing the play by play. And Otto, I can't remember who, what's his, is it Otto Bolden. I can't remember what his yeah, last Bol- name is. Bolton. Bolton, yeah. And he, he the, the way he's analyzing track athletes and telling me. Uh, you know, the, watch the head snap in slow motion here. You're supposed to raise your head gradually so that it's a natural movement of your body. But if you snap your head, it, it forces your muscles to adjust, and that can take a tenth or two tenths of a second off your time. Like stuff like that is fascinating to me. And I love watching people who make you smarter. I love watching broadcasters who illuminate what's going on. Like Rowdy Gaines has been phenomenal in the Olympics. Like he and Dan Hicks have done such a good job the best. and they're on a big stage. And, it, and, and I know part of it is, Hey, there's so much intrigue. You don't have to work too hard to illuminate what's happening because the, the feats are so impressive. But the reason you understand why the feats are impressive is because they're giving you the information necessary to appreciate what's happening. And Rowdy especially has taught me a lot about swimming just by wa- watching his broadcast. So I like watching people who make you smarter, and I feel like if given the opportunity to do wrestling, to do volleyball, to do sports like that where I have a, a level of comfort, or even sports that I don't, where, but, but I'm, I've, I'm given the keys to be the authority on that for that two-week stretch, I, I would embrace that. And I think it'd be awesome to actually be a part of that and to, to, to have that opportunity to do that on a stage like that. I think it's awesome, and I, I have a lot of respect for the people who – who come in for those two weeks and, and are prepared and are ready to go and give you the information that you need and introduce the sport itself and the rules and the athletes that you don't really know, but you grow to care for. I think it's really impressive when you're able to do that. I know that's inherent in the Olympics, 
but you still have to illuminate those people, and I think the broadcasters have done a great job of that so far. You have four years to learn what sport climbing is, and you can give that one a go. Exactly, yeah. I mean, give me that. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out rowing. I'll figure out some table tennis. What are the, what are the in, intricacies just, and nuances just of table call it, tennis? Stop, I'll stop it. Stop, just call it ping pong. Let's, can we be fair? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's call let's let's call spade a spade here. Like that's what this is. Yeah. So. Like when I after I ate in the dining hall in college, I played Olympic ping pong. Like it's the same sport. <laughs> you didn't qualify, but you were no. you were you were you were an Olympic hopeful. Yeah, it you were an Olympic hopeful. It would have been a disaster. Uh, <laughs> Adam, uh, I feel like we can go forever because I didn't even talk about prep, and we're both prep nerds. Um, but we'll have to do that again sometime because I I gotta let you go and clean. Um, but uh, this was awesome. What, uh, a, what a pathetic ending to that, too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not like, oh, Adam's got a broadcast to do tonight, or he's preparing for uh, for college football. It's uh, dude's got laundry, and uh, he's got to put some soup on in the microwave. Like that's that's the most pathetic oh, way to end this. You could have said it's, stove. I think it's appropriate for me. Stove. Just go with stove. It's much more adulting. Say stove. I, I should have said, but I mean, but now the truth is out there. It's that's just, true. It's going right in the microwave. And I'm super, super sad. And that's all. It's all good. That's how. That's how it should end for somebody like me. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you. Uh, Sports Night podcast or uh, on Twitter or anything. Uh, how can the people oh, yeah, interact sure. with you? Uh, yeah, we're, uh, I'm on Twitter at Adam Amin, uh, and then our our podcast is uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's just a pet project, but it's it's called Those Stories Plus. It's available on iTunes. You can subscribe to that. Uh, Instagram is at Adam underscore Amin. Uh, so pretty much everything is available off those things. So you'll, you'll figure out very quickly that my life is, uh, is made up of a lot of sports and food and, uh, a lot of sunset photos. So that's nice. That's, that's really all that's going on. Adam. Thanks, man. Anytime, buddy. That's Adam Amin of ESPN. Uh, really good dude. Great to, uh, talk laundry at the end of there with him, but also <laughs> talk, talk some shop with him over what was almost an hour and a half of conversation that we had. Um, both recorded and non-recorded uh, after we hit stop as well. Um, but thrilled over the moon that uh, we can spend some time with Adam here on the podcast. Again, he's got football on Saturday night, the start of college football season, Charleston Southern and North Dakota State on ESPN. That's a 7.30 start on Saturday or tonight if you're listening to this on Saturday or last night if you're listening to this on Sunday. You can find the replay probably on ESPN3. Uh, but anyway... Uh, so he's got that. You can check him out on Twitter as well, at Adam Amin, like you just said, and uh, catch his work all season long. He's got NFL games coming up uh, this season as well. A lot of really great guests still coming up on the podcast over the next few weeks. Uh, Los Angeles Rams announcer, brand new to the NFL, JB Long. Uh, he'll be on the podcast. We'll hear from Bob Wischusen. We'll hear from Joe Davis, the heir apparent to uh, Vince Scully. We'll be on the podcast coming up. Wayne Larrabee as well. We'll talk about the origin of There's Your Dagger. Uh, that and much more coming up here on Play by Play Cast. Follow it. Tell your friends uh, if you like it. If you don't like it, tell your friends. And uh, we'll see you next week right back here on Play by Play Cast. iTunes and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at PXPCast to play the music. I'm out. See you next week. And that will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.